wanted to be in a fancy metropolitan broadcast facility where the most thought-provoking thing within view is an occasional four-car pileup on the freeway below. We like being miles from nowhere, in the middle of a vineyard that cannot be seen from the little two-lane road on the other side of that rise. Our barn has awesome acoustics and was built with hand tools over a hundred years ago. Nonetheless, we've got some really state-of-the-art broadcast technology inside. And our wine cellar wants a root cellar that is absolutely packed with wine we've collected or been given by friends. Welcome. You have just set foot on Grape Encounters Radio Property, where we don't believe in no trespassing signs. But let's make this our little secret. Oh, and that wine is protected by the sweetest-looking golden retriever who dated a Doberman for a while, so don't get any ideas. me some ice skin me a peach save the fuzz for my pillow and it is time for your weekly grape encounter and you know there is something that we used to do about four or five years ago that i haven't done since i really don't even know why but we used to make trivia wine trivia a big part of this show because so many times i mean literally every day of my life people ask me the craziest questions about wine and they're questions that you're not going to learn the answers to in sommelier school because you know what for those of us who just drink wine just to have fun with it the things that we need to know are different than the things that somebody who is destined to be a wine expert or who already is a wine expert needs to know are completely different things so i have had it in my mind that i have wanted to go down this road again because we used to have so much fun with it and i was scratching my head thinking who should i get into the studio to join me in this little expedition of wine trivia and the one name that just popped up instantly is my friend Adam Lazar, Lazar Wines. He is really, I think, one of the great experts in winemaking. He consults all over the world. We'll talk a little bit about his resume, but first, let's just welcome him to the stage. Adam Lazar is in the house. So that was your first mistake, inviting me onto the show. Why is that? Oh, I don't know. I just, this whole kind of Tourette syndrome-y thing, I just, uh, you know, (laughs) what's he going to say? I don't know. We have a censor button. That's the thing, you know. I have had to censor you on occasion, by the way. What are the the odds of that? Wow. So let's talk about first what you're doing because you're making some amazing wines for the wine hooligans. Uh, What a well-named company considering that you're involved. Yeah, I can't even think of anything more appropriate than the wine hooligans. Obviously, anybody who knows me or has had to listen to me talk in the past. But yeah, you know, we're doing a bunch of really great wines. I've got a killer team that I'm working with. We're making a lot of the private label wines for some very large chains making wines like Stateland Cellars and Ray's Creek. Wow. And uh, we're doing some fun stuff for Costco. But we also have a series of wines that are out in the broad market that are uh, international. And so we do Cycles Gladiator, which is my old so, brand. Uh, okay, so let's talk about that because this is a very well-known name. And you originated it, right? That was a brand that I started with the team that I worked with when I used to run Hana Estates back in, I think it was in 2005, we launched Cycles Gladiator. And it was a replacement wine, this little unknown wine called Rex Goliath that we started in 2002 and sold. But that's a really well 
well-known name now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we sold it for an obscene amount of money two years later. And uh, we came across this really great 1890s bicycle poster from Paris, France at the time, Gladiator Bicycle Company. And we were a cause-based winery, and we did a lot of charitable work. So explain what that is. You know, we've had on the show way back when the Houlihans, who started Barefoot Wine, that really is a cause-based winemaking operation that sold for just an obscene amount of money. Yeah, no, 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 I've I've heard figures, but I don't know for sure. And and Jennifer Wall, who's the winemaker there, is absolutely fantastic. She's one of my favorite winemakers, doing incredible work for uh, wines that are so reasonably priced. By the way, you know, people sometimes laugh at me when I say, you know what, Barefoot make some really good wine. And they go, how can you say that? And the answer is because they do. I mean, to make the volume of wine that they make with the kind of quality they put into it, if you go buy a bottle of their wine, you're going to be perfectly happy. You know, when people talk about Gallo as being the largest winery of their kind in the world, but they also dump a ton of money into research and their winemaking team. I have no idea how many they employ, but I know many of them. And they're some of my favorite winemakers. They're extremely talented and they put a lot of everything into their products. And with all the research they've done, they've got this incredible research center up in Modesto. There's no reason why they shouldn't be making some of the most technically perfect wines in the world. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You and I both judge a lot of international wine competitions and who wins the most gold medals or, you know, some of the best of shows, particularly in sparkling wines and some of these other things. It's the barefoot sellers. I mean, the judges that we're judging with are masters of wines or master sommeliers. They're masters of everything they do. So, I mean, it's not like they're not being vetted by a bunch of real professionals. See, that's the interesting thing is is that yeah we're sitting at a table where the people that are next to us are really really amazingly talented wine experts wine makers they're sommeliers they're restaurant chain owners they're journalists all kinds of things but still they don't realize that they may be tasting a eight dollar bottle of wine and going wow this is really delicious and it winds up being a big brand yeah so i mean the point being is that their companies that specifically do nothing but research on uh, winemaking and various varietals in different parts of the world. And it's not as simple anymore. I mean, it's great when you can just pick some grapes, crush it, pray that it ferments out, and then you jam it in a barrel. And there's some vineyards where that's great. But for 90% of the grapes that are out there, particularly in California, it requires a little input, requires special types of yeast, special types of techniques to get the best out of the grape, blending that's required. It's more than just some guy in a lederhose and then stomping on the grapes. (laughs) Right. Whatever your vision of And you have these behemoth companies like Gallo or Kendall Jackson, let's say, Mm -hmm. that are funding this incredible research that other small winemakers, if we just took your small brand, your personal brand, Lazar, they provide you with a lot of information that you would never be able to do on your own. Yeah. And to their credit, much of the research that these companies do is disseminated to the small winemakers. So, I mean, it benefits everybody. Are you saying they just put it out there? I mean, there's some stuff that's proprietary. There's something that, you know, benefits them economically, but the whole industry benefits when everybody is making better wines. I mean, there's no such thing as brand loyalty. We know that. You are loyal to the next great deal that's at the end of the row of wines that's at your Albertson store or at Trader Joe's or wherever you go to shop. Right. I mean, we recognize that what you're looking for is a great deal. And so, you know, with 6,000 Cabernets to choose from, you might not stick with just one. So everyone benefits from everybody making really great wines. And you make really great wines. By the way, I wanted to tell you something. You made a Merlot a few years back and you know the Merlot because you bought it all. I bought it all. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't make a lot of it, but I I sold a 
ton of that wine. The other day, I realized my wife had been pilfering away three bottles of the Merlot. And I said, what are you doing? We need to sell that. And she said, no, I saved that for myself. I said, we've got all the wine in the world. We own a wine shop, right? So I sold a bottle for $60. I'm particularly flattered. The retail on that wine was like around 20 bucks, something. It was about 30 when we launched it. But I thought that selling it at 60 was making a huge sacrifice because I personally think the wine's got to be worth 100 bucks now. And it keeps getting better. It's a 2010 Paso Robles Merlot under the Lazara label. We got the fruit from one of the Grand Cru vineyards, Westside Vineyards in Paso Robles. And it's funny, we have none at our house. We've I can sell trying. you. I got two bottles I can sell you well, for 60 thanks. bucks Thanks. I piece. was actually, it's funny because right now we're in, the, in travel season right before harvest starts. And uh, I was in Arizona two weeks ago and we've got a new Merlot, the 2014 Paso Robles Merlot. And for whatever reason, our distributor in Arizona, they have this little cage at their warehouse where they just store sample bottles. So when a salesman goes out and they're going to sell your wine, they're going to take it out with them. They grab it from here instead of in the big warehouse where they have to break cases down. It's a big production for something like that. And they ended up with a bunch of 2010 samples. I just said, we're not presenting its wine. However, since you're charging me back for these wines, I'm taking them with me back home. And so I actually have a couple bottles sitting in my kitchen. Thank God. So when I sold the bottle of wine, because this woman was really into amazing wines and she came in and purchased a case of some of our very best wines. And when I sold the bottle, I thought my wife was going to go ballistic, but she didn't. So after the lady left, I said, how come you didn't get upset because I sold one of your pilfered away bottles? You know what she said? She's got more hiding in the house. It's her number one favorite wine. So when you're going around during Christmas and you're like looking under the bed and stuff for all the secret presents that you think that she may have purchased for you and you, you encounter like a bottle of wine under the floorboards Man. or one in the ceiling and Perfectly the happy if a bottle of that was my Christmas present. And we are talking about a Merlot made by Adam Lazar. You know, Google Adam because he is one of the most amazing wine makers. When you were younger, you were named one of the young winemakers to watch. And we've all watched you grow into now a legend. And I know you won't admit that, but that is a fact. And you've been associated with so many great companies, so many great wines. And now we're going to take a commercial break, Adam Lazar. And you better, you know, shine up your thinking cap a little bit because I'm <laughs> going to just throw some questions at you and we're just going to have fun with trivia for a while. Okay. Okay. Are you yeah. ready? Yeah, you betcha. Actually, we're going to take a little break for a commercial. We'll be back with my good buddy, Adam Lazar, one of the great winemakers in America and the world. And I truly mean that he really is one of the most respected winemakers that you will ever meet. And we'll be back and doing just a little fun wine trivia for the better part of the show oh, yeah. here on Grape and Radio. Remember, as much as you may love wine, it is not the answer to your problems. Unless the problem is you're out of wine. Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue right after these important messages. You don't have a problem with that, do you? We never wanted to be in a fancy metropolitan broadcast facility where the most thought-provoking thing within view is an occasional four-car pileup on the freeway below. We like being miles from nowhere, in the middle of a vineyard that cannot be seen from the little two-lane road on the other side of that rise. Our barn has awesome acoustics and was built with hand tools over a hundred years ago. Nonetheless, we've got some really state-of-the-art broadcast technology inside. And our wine cellar wants a root cellar that is absolutely packed with wine we've collected or been given by friends. Welcome. You have just set foot on Grape Encounters radio property. 
where we don't believe in no trespassing signs. But let's make this our little secret. Oh, and that wine is protected by the sweetest-looking golden retriever who dated a Doberman for a while, so don't get any ideas. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow And it is time for your weekly grape encounter. And you know, there is something that we used to do about four or five years ago that I haven't done since. I really don't even know why. But we used to make trivia, wine trivia, a big part of this show. Because so many times, I mean, literally every day of my life, people ask me the craziest questions about wine. And they're questions that you're not going to learn the answers to in sommelier school. Because you know what? For those of us who just drink wine just to have fun with it, the things that we need to know are different than the things that somebody who is destined to be a wine expert or who already is a wine expert needs to know are completely different things. So I have had it in my mind that I have wanted to go down this road again because we used to have so much fun with it. And I was scratching my head thinking, who should I get into the studio to join me in this little expedition of wine? trivia and the one name that just popped up instantly is my friend Adam Lazar Lazar Wines he is really I think one of the great experts in winemaking he consults all over the world we'll talk a little bit about his resume but first let's just welcome him to the stage Adam Lazar is in the house so that was your first mistake inviting me onto the show why is that oh I don't know I just this whole kind of Tourette syndrome thing and just uh, you know <laughs> yeah. hey, what's going to say? I don't know. I'm- we have a censor button. That's the thing. You know, I have had to censor you on occasion, by the way. <laughs> what, are the, that, what are right? the odds of that? Wow. So let's talk about first what you're doing, because you're making some amazing wines for the wine hooligans. Uh, what a well-named company, considering that you're involved. Yeah, I can't even think of anything more appropriate than the wine hooligans. Obviously, anybody who knows me or has had to listen to me talk in the past. But yeah, you know, we're doing a bunch of really great wines. I've got a killer team that I'm working with. We're making a lot of the private label wines for some very large chains, making wines like Stateland Cellars and Ray's Creek. Wow. And uh, we're doing some fun stuff for Costco. But we also have a series of wines that are out in the broad market that are uh, international. And so we do Cycles Gladiator, which is my old so, brand. Okay, so let's talk about that because this is a very well-known name. And you originated it, right? That was a brand that I started with the team that I worked with when I used to run Hana Estates back in, I think it was in 2005, we launched Cycles Gladiator. And it was a replacement wine, this little unknown wine called Rex Goliath that we started in 2002 and sold. But that's a really well known name now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we sold it for an obscene amount of money two years later. And uh, we came across this really great 1890s bicycle poster from Paris, France at the time, Gladiator Bicycle Company. And we were a cause-based winery and we did a lot of charitable work. So explain what that is. You know, we've had on the show way back when the Houlihans who started Barefoot Wine, that really is a cause-based winemaking operation that sold for just an obscene amount of money. Yeah, no, 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 I've I've heard figures, but I don't know for sure. And, And Jennifer Wall who's a winemaker there is absolutely fantastic. She's one of my favorite winemakers doing incredible work for uh, wines that are so reasonably priced. By the way, you know, people sometimes laugh at me when I say, you know what, barefoot. 
make some really good wine. And they go, how can you say that? And the answer is because they do. I mean, to make the volume of wine that they make with the kind of quality they put into it, if you go buy a bottle of their wine, you're going to be perfectly happy. You know, when people talk about Gallo as being the largest winery of their kind in the world, but they also dump a ton of money into research and their winemaking team. I have no idea how many they employ, but I know many of them, and they're some of my favorite winemakers. They're extremely talented, and they put a lot of everything into their products. And with all the research they've done, they've got this incredible research center up in Modesto. There's no reason why they shouldn't be making some of the most technically perfect wines in the world. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. You and I both judge a lot of international wine competitions, and who wins the most gold medals or, you know, some of the best of shows, particularly in sparkling wines and some of these other things? It's the Barefoot Cellars. I mean, the judges that we're judging with are masters of wines or master sommeliers. They're masters of everything they do. So, I mean, it's not like they're not being vetted by a bunch of real professionals. See, that's the interesting thing is, is that, yeah, we're sitting at a table where the people that are next to us are really, really amazingly talented wine experts, winemakers, they're sommeliers, they're restaurant chain owners, they're journalists, all kinds of things. But still, they don't realize that they may be tasting a $8 bottle of wine and going, wow, this is really delicious. And it winds up being a big brand. Yeah. So, I mean, the point being is that there are companies that specifically do nothing but research on uh, winemaking and various varietals in different parts of the world. And it's not as simple anymore. I mean, it's great when you can just pick some grapes, crush it, pray that it ferments out, and then you jam it in the barrel. And there's some vineyards where that's great. But for 90% of the grapes that are out there, particularly in California, it requires a little input, requires special types of yeast, special types of techniques to get the best out of the grape blending that's required. It's more than just some guy in a Lederhosen and then stomping on the grapes. And <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> whatever your vision of And you have it. these behemoth companies like Gallo or Kendall Jackson, let's say, mm-hmm. that are funding this incredible research that other small winemakers, if we just took your small brand, your personal brand, Lazar, they provide you with a lot of information that you would never be able to do on your own. Yeah, and to their credit, much of the research that these companies do is disseminated to the small winemakers. So, I mean, it benefits everybody. You know, Are you saying they just put it out there? I mean, there's some stuff that's proprietary. There's okay. something that, you know, benefits them economically, but the whole industry benefits when everybody is making better wines. I mean, there's no such thing as brand loyalty. We know that. You are loyal to the next great deal that's at the end of the row of wines that's at your Albertson store or at Trader Joe's or wherever you go to shop. Right. I mean, we recognize that what you're looking for is a great deal. And so, you know, with 6,000 Cabernets to choose from, you might not stick with just one. So everyone benefits from everybody making really great wines. And you make really great wines. By the way, I wanted to tell you something. You made a Merlot a few years back and you know the Merlot. Because you bought it all. I bought it all. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't make a lot of it, but I I sold a ton of that wine. The other day, I realized my wife had been pilfering away three bottles of the Merlot. And I said, what are you doing? We need to sell that. And she said, no, I saved that for myself. I said, we've got all the wine in the world. We own a wine shop, right? So I sold a bottle for $60. I'm particularly flattered. The retail on that wine was like around 20 bucks, something. It was about 30 when we launched it. But I thought that selling it at 60 
was making a huge sacrifice because I personally think the wine's got to be worth 100 bucks now. And it keeps getting better. It's a 2010 Paso Robles Merlot under the Lazara label. We got the fruit from one of the Grand Cru vineyards, Westside Vineyards in Paso Robles. And it's funny, we have none at our house. We've I can sell trying. you. I got two bottles I can sell you well, for 60 thanks. bucks a I piece. Was actually, it's funny because right now we're in, in travel season right before harvest starts. And uh, I was in Arizona two weeks ago and we've got a new Merlot, the 2014 Paso Robles Merlot. And for whatever reason, our distributor in Arizona, they have this little cage at their warehouse where they just store sample bottles. So when a salesman goes out and they're going to sell your wine, they're going to take it out with them. They grab it from here instead of in the big warehouse where they have to break cases down. It's a big production for something like that. And they ended up with a bunch of 2010 samples. I just said, we're not presenting its wine. However, since you're charging me back for these wines, I'm taking them with me back home. And so I actually have a couple bottles sitting in my kitchen. Thank God. So when I sold the bottle of wine, because this woman was really into amazing wines and she came in and purchased a case of some of our very best wines. And when I sold the bottle, I thought my wife was going to go ballistic, but she didn't. So after the lady left, I said, how come you didn't get upset because I sold one of your pilfered away bottles? You know, she said she's got more hiding in the house. It's her number one favorite wine. So when you're going around during Christmas and you're like looking under the bed and stuff for all the secret presents that you think that she may have purchased for you and you, you encounter like a bottle of wine under the floorboards or one in the ceiling and perfectly the happy if a bottle of that was my Christmas present. And we are talking about a Merlot made by Adam Lazar. You know, Google Adam because he is one of the most amazing wine makers. When you were younger, you were named one of the young winemakers to watch. And we've all watched you grow into now a legend. And I know you won't admit that, but that is a fact. And you've been associated with so many great companies, so many great wines. And now we're going to take a commercial break, Adam Lazar. And you better, you know, shine up your thinking cap a little bit because I'm <laughs> going to just throw some questions at you and we're just going to have fun with trivia for a while. Okay. Okay. Are you yeah. ready? Yeah, you betcha. Actually, we're going to take a little break for a commercial. We'll be back with my good buddy, Adam Lazar, one of the great winemakers in America and the world. And I truly mean that. He really is one of the most respected winemakers that you will ever meet. And we'll be back and doing just a little fun wine trivia for the better part of the show Boy. here on Grape Encounter. Radio. Remember, as much as you may love wine, it is not the answer to your problems. Unless the problem is you're out of wine. Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue right after these important messages. You don't have a problem with that, do you? This segment of Grape Encounters is brought to you by my number one wine discovery of 2016. The awesome gold medal winning wines of the Cardello Winery. From the very first sip, you'll understand why these astounding, nicely priced Cardello wines are swiftly becoming a cult classic, just as I predicted. Handcrafted and stunning, you can get yours at CardelloWinery.com. That's CardelloWinery.com. Or find more information at GrapeEncounters.com. Conservative about what he spends on wine, but liberal on how much he pours his friends. Here's your host, David Wilson. 
back with Grape Encounters Radio. Time for the lightning round with my very special guest, Adam Lazar. And it's Lazar Wines and the lead winemakers for the Wine Hooligan. So there we go. Are you ready for the lightning round, Mr. Uh, Lazar? As I will ever be. Okay, so we're going to just fire a lot of questions off really quick, okay? All right, uh, true or false question? Both red wine and white wine can be made from the same grapes. True. With the exception of Alicante Boucher and a couple other what we call tinturier varietals, juice is white. It's the skin that makes the wine red or not. And they use those grapes that do have the dark juice mm-hmm. to bring more color and body to wines that are a little on the, shall we say, sissy side. Yeah, there's a lot of controversy regarding those grapes, but that's okay. a different topic. We see a lot of wines now from New Zealand, right? That we do. And five years ago, that wasn't the case. But now they're just like flooding the market okay. with New Zealand wines. True or false? The majority of wines from New Zealand have screw caps. True. That is true. 85%. They are the industry leaders. And you know what? I tell you what, if you're out and about and got a very small selection of wines to choose from, and there are wines from New Zealand, I would say they might be some of the safest wines to purchase sight unseen. They're really well made. And, you know, they're all cool climate varietals. They've got great acid and super pHs for being able to age. And, you know, the idea behind screw caps are these are bottles of wine that you may not need to lay down. However, I think just the convenience of being able to open them up and seal them up at the end of the day. Okay, so there's a really interesting question that you raised, which I've been asked a number of times, and I really don't know the answer to this one, is can you lay down for an extended period of time wines that are under a Stelvin enclosure or screw cap? Absolutely. And, in fact, what research – and we've got, I think, the Australians have done the vast majority of the research that goes back nearly 20 years now, and it's showing that screw caps may actually allow wine to age better over time. Wow. All right. That indentation at the bottom of a wine bottle is called what? Punt. Okay. That's the easy part of the question. Hard part. Why is it there? I think it's to be able to hold the wine bottle when you're pouring it at a restaurant. There's no one explanation for that indentation. The best explanation I ever heard was that in the olden days when they were hand-blowing glass bottle, the bottom was where the pipe was at. Okay. of course. And when they snapped the pipe off to finish the bottle, It it left a little bit of a rough spot there. Then when you would slide the bottle across, the table, it would leave a big scratch. So what the glass blowers figured out was that if they pushed it up and then broke the pipe off, that you wouldn't have that problem. I didn't get that in some way school. You never heard that. See, you learned something on Grape Encounters. Okay, we're running out of time. Okay. True or false, red wine should never be served chilled. Bull crap. Okay, talk about it. Yeah, I'd never frequent a restaurant that served their red wines at room temperature. All the best restaurants in the world, especially the ones that know their way around wine, serve their red wines chilled. I like them around 55 degrees, but it is scientifically proven that the fruit, the tannins, and all the great parts of a red wine pop. They're more pronounced when a red wine is chilled a little bit. And as the wine warms in your glass, all these beautiful aromatics that make that wine great start to come out. Spoken like a master. Okay, here's an interesting one. Wine packaged in a box Mm -hmm. stays fresh for weeks after opening. Absolutely, because the bag inside collapses, so there's no oxygen getting in there. So here's a really interesting thing is that a lot of people will ask me, how long will their red wine especially last Mm -hmm. after the bottle's been opened? This is assuming there's no preservation taking place, right? Answer? I actually think in freshly bottled wines, and what I mean freshly bottled, I mean when the previous three or four or five months, that a wine will actually taste better on the second day because it has the same amount of oxygen that it might have picked up over a couple of years. But I think after day two or three, it starts to get a little tired. For me, it's my personal preference. Uh, Yeah, mine too. And I do believe, and I don't know if you agree, 
agree with this, that you can stall the deterioration by putting it into the fridge. Chilling it down, it helps limit oxygen pickup in the wine, but also there are companies that sell gas products. Yeah, but you can go to Total Wines and More, BevMo, and you pick up something called Private Preserve, and it's just argon gas, a squirt or two in there, but even then, you're going to get a week out of it. Don't try to save the red wine. Okay, so if that wine does turn on me, Mm -hmm. true or false, I can always just use it to cook with after it's turned. (laughs) True or false? Sure, true. No, come on. Why not? No, garbage in, garbage out. Oh, right. You you know, if the wine is turned, there's only one thing you can really use it for. If it's white wine, you can use it to take the stain out of your driveway, out of your concrete, stuff like that. All right. Okay, by the way, along those same lines, true or false, when a wine turns, it becomes vinegar and you can use it on your salad. No, a wine that's been open, that's been oxidized, just becomes aldehydic, it becomes closer to sherry. A wine that has gone through a bacterial fermentation, secondary fermentation, acetic acid bacteria is turning into vinegar, and that should normally not be in your bottle of wine to begin with. Right. Okay. We all are familiar with Syrah, mm-hmm. and most are familiar with Petite Syrah. Right. True or false, Petite Syrah just refers to a Syrah that has smaller grapes, smaller berries. No, that's false. Petite Syrah is its own unique grape varietal that is a cross between the Syrah grape and a little-known French grape called Pellersin, and it was developed back in, I think it was the 1850s, 1860s, by a horticulturalist by the name of Derif. And in fact, Derif is an alternative or a synonym for the grape Petite Syrah. Interesting. Petite Syrah, Petite Verdot, when it comes to the substantiveness of those, they are anything but petite. They're huge wines. Okay, last question. Are you ready for this one? One of the most popular wines in the world, red wines, I'll just ask you, would be what? Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay, after that? Pinot Noir. Okay, Pinot Noir. We know that Cabernet Sauvignon is the love child of Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc. And possibly Carmenere. There's some... Oh, there's a little messing around there. What was... Pinot Noir, the love child of? I'm going to say Pinot Blanc, and... um, And you'd be wrong. Okay. So Pinot Noir is the love child of Chardonnay and a little-known grape that I can't pronounce from Croatia that was basically a peasant grape. Yeah, that one. I don't remember the name of it. It's an ancient grape. I know it's been around for a long time. Yeah, and what's interesting about it is, is that why that's important is that when you go out and you find somebody that's making really good Pinot, you're probably going to find that they also make really good Chardonnay. And people often wonder about why that is. And the reason is simple. They're, you know, father and son, mother, daughter. Are you with me here? Yeah, no, I'm actually looking up. I want to find out what that... uh... Okay, Adam's got his... He's Googling here in the studio. You were supposed to turn your phone off, Adam Lazar. I turned it to silence. What did you find out? I actually, with the last question, stumped you. Yeah, and as I've been looking through this, and it seems to me, and this is just from Wikipedia, that the origins... We know that it's an ancient varietal because it's a parent of a lot of other grapes. Yes. Like Cabernet Franc. The question is, it's been argued genetically that it's actually a uh, variant of a non-vinifera vine called Vitus Silvestris, and going back all the way to the first century. That's amazing, huh? So yes, there's a bunch of stuff. But would you agree that where there is good Pinot, there is usually good Chardonnay? Absolutely. Oh, the two absolutely grow hand in hand, and they're very, very similar. And you think that Pinot Noir and Chardonnay have grown up together for the last, clearly, close to 1,500, 1,600 years you know, in the Burgundy region of France. It's funny that, you know, I would say 99% of all people, wine lovers, non-wine lovers, wine experts, don't realize that Pinot and Chardonnay are related. That's a little factoid 
that is just lost on most people. You know, I mean, the leaves are very similar, you know, in shape. Mm -hmm. You know what, Adam? We left people with an abundance of knowledge. There's going to be a lot of... There's going to be a (laughs) lot... created more questions and... You know, don't say that. That's not the case. David Wilson will have your answer for you, and if he doesn't know it, he will look it up. You know, I'm just here to make sure you have a good time, and that's why I brought in Good Time Charlie today. Hey, Adam, thanks for being here. What a fun time we had. We didn't tell people that we were actually, while we were doing the show, drinking spirits, actually, wine-based spirits. In this particular case, an orange wine spirit that... With natural flavor added... Whatever that's All right, but it kind of emulates rum, and it was kind of fun, wasn't it? Oh, and, um, it's delicious. We mixed it with these wonderful mixers by our friends over at Yes Cocktails. They make these fantastic mixers, and I just want to give them a little shout-out because they're doing a great job. A little small company. You can buy their products online. Yes Cocktails. I've, I've heard about them. I've heard great things, and this for the first time ever, I can confirm this stuff is delicious. Really good. Yeah. Yo. Okay, Adam Lazar, people can find you where? Your wines? And they can find wines at your shop. Grape and Cow. Well, yeah, but most of our listeners aren't anywhere near the shop. Oh, okay. Well, you can go to Lazar Wines. That's L-A-Z as in zebra, A-R-R-E Wines, plural, dot com. And you can check out Angie, who's actually runs the company, my wife. I'm actually her husband. She's not my wife. Right. Got it. Yeah. I got to make that clear. So Angie Lazar, I am just her winemaker. And you can go to our website and check out the wines and order them. We've got great high scores and uh, we make very limited quantity. We'd love to uh, talk to you. And if they were to buy just one Lazar wine, what would you recommend? The one we have the most of. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, that's going to do it for my visit with Adam. Guess who's coming in the studio next? Guess. Guess. All I can do is say, imagine me with rabbit ears. Who's coming in? He's a butt of yours. Is it a chef? Yeah. Chef William? Chef William. Chef William Carter of, oh my God, Canyonville of Ben Breakfast. But uh, 28 years, the head chef at the The Playboy Playboy Mansion. Mansion. And he joins us next. Uh, we're those gonna, are some fun tastings with him. Those are some fun ago. tastings. We're going to go uh, rendezvous with him out in the green room while you are listening to these commercials. And we'll be back with more Grape Encounters and Chef Carter right after this.